There's no problem too big or small, no issue too hot or cold, and no subject these gentlemen won't talk about. Let's head into the lab to see what they're working to figure out today. Let's get into it and get down to it. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grombacher. Joining me, as always, is Centauri Miner. Hello, folks. Helping us move from awareness to action this week is Jarrett Ransom, the CEO of the Ravon Group, a nonprofit consulting firm working with clients all over the country to build sustainable and efficient fundraising solutions. Welcome, Jarrett. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it, guys. So, Jarrett, I understand that you and Centauri go back quite a few years. Do you have any dirt on him that you want the entire audience to know? Why would this be the oh. question? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Um, no, because he could also do the same for me. So we'll just uh, keep it a Great answer. Great answer. <laughs> right? Fair enough. Fair enough. It's kind of like prisoners. Kind of like prisoners' dilemma. I I, I, I just set up right there. Well, Centauri, I, I I know that from the 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 few interactions I've had with Jarrett, I know her to be a really fun, outgoing person. So I figured you guys could probably. Anyway, uh, Jarrett, how how did you find yourself where you are today? Take us through your career path, please. Yeah, absolutely. So. I, you know, I was thinking about this and how did I really become the nonprofit nerd? Um, simply put, I feel like the nonprofit sector picked me. I don't know that I really decided on my own, and it certainly wasn't like a conscious decision, right? So I kind of grew up, um, my mom was, was very philanthropic with our time, I would say. So we did a lot of volunteer work. She would have us very involved in, in our community where, you know, maybe we're making cookies for the Ronald McDonald charities or, you know, we're going um, to an animal shelter and helping there. So when I went to college, I actually decided to major in mass communication. But I, I think it's important to share that when I was in my sophomore year, I was ready to be done with school. Like I, I was done learning. I was done with school. Um, yes, I was having fun, right? That was part of it. And I think that was also part of why I wanted to be done. But my career counselor uh, there in college, he says to me, let's get you the F out of here. And I was like, whoa, this is the first time like an adult has talked to me like this, right? And I said, oh, that's great. What does it look like? So he created an exit plan for me. Um, you know, he's like, focus on your mass communication major. And at this time it was mass communication slash theater. But don't hold it against me, right? I have a bit of a thespian in me. And um, so he is like, here's the deal. I will, I will allow you to take 21 hours every semester if you can maintain a B average. So I actually graduated in three and a half years and uh, decided, you know, I really did enjoy, I was doing a lot of work at the time for our Chamber of Commerce. So it's a nonprofit, but it's a C6. So it's more of an association membership base. And I just really loved it. Coming from a small town in South Carolina, I really enjoy working someplace that they know me and they know what my passions are, you know, in life. So I'm not just a number, I felt. So I felt like they really genuinely appreciated me as a part of the team. So really from there, George, was what instilled kind of this nonprofit sector and nonprofit culture, if you will. 
Now, fast forward to 2009, I was actually chief development officer of a $21 million operating budget based in Tempe, Arizona. The economy crashed at that time. You know, I think we all kind of felt some of those effects, but I was asked to lay off my team six months later. I was laid off. Hence, the Raven Group was born at that time. So by default, (laughs) I really became a consultant, a business owner, an entrepreneur in 2009 by a reduction in force. So here I am, 10 years. I'm celebrating this, you know, this year is a decade of the Raven Group being in business. It's been a wonderful journey. Well, congratulations on 10 years. That's good. All all joking aside, uh, George, Jared has been a phenomenal force in the nonprofit sector, and I think she's providing some much-needed services that many local and national nonprofits, um, they really need a lot of help with. So, Jared, can you kind of give us the kind of the scope of work of the Raven Group, and what are you really, what's your your true secret sauce? Yeah, so my secret sauce when I started, honestly, was I realized in 2009, you know, our economy had crashed, but the nonprofits still needed to bring in money more than ever at this time, right? So I started by essentially being a grant writer for several different organizations. Free Arts of Arizona was my very first client and a wonderful organization. And so I grew my firm through grant writing predominantly. Now, most recently, I've done a huge pivot in my career where I'm really moving away from the transactional services to more of that expert level advice. I have started to embody the whole Teach Amanda Fish. You will find me teaching, coaching, facilitating, educating. Just this last weekend, I was in Flagstaff presenting to 20 board members on the do's and don'ts of board development. So for me, you know, that secret sauce has really been about what inspires me and what inspires me in the sector and where do I feel our community really needs that support. So Centauri, when it comes to some of the organizations I have helped both locally and nationally, it's having them think beyond keeping the doors open, right? We are, we are implementing and creating and strategizing long-term sustainability plans. So again, that goes well beyond the transactional submission of a local grant. And it's been a lot of fun. So really helping these leaders, nonprofit leaders, uh, create and set, and not only create and set, but then implement, execute, right? Like these these strategies that create long-term sustainability, not only for growth, but for uh, the support from their local community. Very nice. worthwhile. No, for sure. Yeah. And I, I, I think that that really resonates the idea of of creating an actual sustainable entity, a sustainable nonprofit. That's right. Why, why do you think it's so hard for for a group to internally implement and then execute? I, I, I guess the real question is, why is an outside consultant so valuable? Yeah, that's a great question, George. And really, you know, when it comes down to it, I, I would focus more on the small to mid-sized nonprofits because we do want them to grow from startup to growth and into more of a mature you know, if you will, life cycle of an organization. And you have to put in so much sweat equity in the beginning. I think what I've seen happen over time is there's an extreme amount of people out there that are, they're passionate for a certain mission, a certain solution to a community problem. So they have this desire to start a nonprofit. 
They have no business plan. They have no board of directors. They have no knowledge of the nonprofit management, you know, activities. And so typically, I don't know the failure rate, Centauri, if you can, if you can nerd that out for me real quick, but nonprofits typically fail within that first three years because they really don't have the foundation built. So when it comes to bringing in an expert, someone who's been in the field 20 years, someone that can coach them from the beginning to lay their foundation so strong that they're able to build upon it year after year after year. And again, George, focusing on that small to middle size, because once you hit that maturity level, you're really in a good place. Your systems are strong. Your infrastructure is strong. Your governance and all, you know, everything to kind of like oversee the, the mission is really running well at a certain level. But Arizona is a small business city, and we're also a small nonprofit city, right? So I would, I would classify that as under a million-dollar operating budget, whereas most of our nonprofits here in Arizona are under $500,000 operating. Right. Got it. Jerry, can you talk a little bit about, so we both know in this space, and we've actually had some on this podcast, there's a lot of nonprofit consultants nationally and a lot in the Valley. Yeah. What differentiates you and then what is kind of, what is your approach that makes you different than the the 30 or so that I can think of the top of my head uh, that's also doing this work? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Our market is saturated both nationally as well as geographically here local in the Phoenix area. Um, I, first of all, believe in abundance, love collaboration. I um, know that what I bring to the table is a little sassier than most, right? I mean, I do call myself a nonprofit nerd. You can find me on Instagram as nonprofit nerd. Um, I'm a bit of a disruptor, right? I come in and I set aside any cookie cutter approach, whereas I think that definitely differentiates me. Um, I do bring in best practices, Centauri, when it comes to, in particular, strategic planning and fundraising, but I also want to customize an approach specific for your organization, specific for the champions that are at your table and are able to roll up their sleeves and help. I want to customize some kind of a plan that is not 100% reliant on someone else to do it. I want to teach you how to do what I've been doing for 20 years. Nice. So that process on the website, it talks about, or you talk about assess, coach, strategize. Um, If you would, just when when you engage with an organization, what, what does that process really look like? Yeah, so I like to start with what I call a nonprofit nerd out session. So it's essentially 60 to 90 minutes, but it is a nerd out session where we're talking all about your organization, what's working, what's working well, um, what's, you know, where is there some room for opportunity. Then I like to essentially map out a mini strategic plan from this session. So it identifies your potential of where you want to take your organization. It identifies those champions that I mentioned before, who's in your network, who do you have around your table that can address some of these gaps that we've just identified. And then also what's the timeline to do that? So let's, you know, create a priority list. You know, the sky's the limit, but we can, we can only tackle so much, right? We only have 24 hours in a day. So based off of everything from this mini strategic plan that they received from this nonprofit nerd out session, then they're really able to say, wow, based off of a professional expert 
you know, opinion, this is what we could achieve. And here's the timeline and here's some of these gaps that we have opportunities to fill. What does that look like? And then based off of that session, I report back to them, you know, here's what I found based off of what you told me. I do feel that for this, this, and this gap, you already have the champions at the table. So here's my recommendation for that. You also address, you know, other gaps in there. Some of these I might be able to help you with as well as my team at the Raven Group, or I would love to connect you with some other consultants, both here in the Valley and nationwide, that I really know this is their strong area of expertise. So when possible, I do love to bring in my colleagues and peers, um, introduce them to an organization that I've been introduced to, to see if they would be willing and able to help, um, you know, this organization with some of those gaps and opportunities. Nice. And I, I know that, that every organization is different, but what do you wish that a lot of these nonprofits, $500,000 and less, what, what do you wish that they knew more of? Is there certain knowledge mm-hmm. that, you know, you, you wish you could impart? Yes. Yes. And I love to impart it. I love to, to train on this. Um, I'm going to go with donor stewardship, right? So um, this is when I do nerd out. So with your operating budget, your revenue should be comprised of at least 75% individuals. So that means people, right, out there making a donation to your organization. If your revenue is not 75%, you know, made up of individuals, we've got some work to do. So that donor stewardship, cultivation, and retention plan is spot on where I want you to focus. Grants should only make up no more than 20%. But again, that's where I built my business, right, is also part of the pivot because I realized grants are not sustainable. They're nearly 20, 20% of your operating budget. So let's focus on the lion's share, which is the donor stewardship. Got it. And when you say individuals, does, does that also include, like, corporate donations or is that really just, just people like George? Yeah, that's people. That's people like George and Centauri and Jarrett. Um, we could work at corporations, and we might find an organization by way of our corporation, but we as individuals want to be the ones that are giving to the organization, and that's where you want to have at least 75% of your budget, of your revenue, I should say, coming from individual donors. Okay. Sure. I'm, I'm sure that yeah. – um you deal with this a lot. So there are roughly a little bit over 20,000 nonprofits just in Arizona alone. Talk to us a little 23, bit about 000. how you, 23,000, <laughs> how do you uh, have the conversation or coach people through the idea that maybe their organization isn't viable or maybe that they should merge? Or when you think about nonprofits as a business, plenty yeah. of folks in the for-profit industry would be happy to hear these things about, you know, these these are the steps you have to take to be sustainable where I know that there's pushback in this, the right. nonprofit sector. Talk to us a little bit about totally. that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, it comes to bandwidth and capacity, right? So nonprofits typically run at a skeleton staff and a skeleton budget, which for me, when I say that, it literally means limited, right? Like we are working off of very limited resources, both financial as well as, you know, human capacity. So when it comes to, you know, building that sustainability plan, you may want to look at mergers and acquisitions. I I fear the reason it doesn't happen more and the reason there's more and more and more and more nonprofits is because of egos, right? 
we cannot get out of our own way. We think that we've come up with a brand new dog rescue where there's how many other animal rescues here in the Valley, let alone the nation. Why not partner? Why not join forces? Why not set your ego aside and work together for that community problem? So the reason, the basic reason any nonprofit should exist is merely to provide a solution to a community problem. Okay, so when you think of what what community problem you're going to solve, first and foremost, I want you to research what's out there, who's doing it, and if they're not doing it the way you want to do it, how similarly are they doing it, right? Because then I want you to pick up the phone, and I want you to call them, and want you to talk to that organization. Um, how are they doing? How are they being successful? Because truly, you know, to start another nonprofit, there's there's so much work. There's so much governance. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes into it. So I feel that there's so many organizations, Centauri, because many times, like I said, we just can't get out of our own way. We think, oh, we have this great new idea. And like I said, we don't need more animal shelters. As an example, we need to come together and support the ones that do exist in a greater capacity. That certainly makes sense that uh, that our egos, because our egos get in the way of everything, that they would certainly That's right. preclude We're human. us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. we are human. <laughs> Excellent. That's right. Well, Jarrett, uh, one of the questions we love to ask people are, what are, what are the top three things that you've learned over the past three years? Only three? <laughs> we will um, let you extend it back a little bit. Oh, but, gosh. No, <laughs> I know. You know, I'm going to say resilience is definitely something that I've learned over the last three years and, and even beyond, right? I mentioned that I've been in business now for a decade, and I wouldn't be where I was if it wasn't for some resilience over the years, you know, and, and over the days. Um, the other one I'm going to share is mentorship. I also am not here where I am today without some very amazing mentors along my journey. I've been very blessed with some um, just genuine individuals that are both knowledgeable, passionate, and compassionate in the sector um, where they've imparted a lot of their years of wisdom, um, you know, upon me. And I'm just so grateful for that. Um, They help me also get through some of those tough days, right? When I think, why do I keep beating my head up against the wall and these organizations aren't understanding what's important? Um, you know, and they just, they're always there to remind me. So resilience and mentorship has been some of the top two. And then partnerships has been a great um, one for me to learn. That's really been my, my two words for this year is strategic partnerships. is that you don't have to do this alone and that you can absolutely partner with others Um, to achieve success or to achieve, you know, like a a unified goal. So not only for me as an, as a consultant, but for my clients as, as nonprofits themselves, I also, you know, ask that they consider collaboration. And it doesn't always mean the merger and acquisition that we've talked about earlier. It could mean coming together, you know, in a synergistic way to deliver a program to the community. So those are the top three things I, you know, I would share that I've learned over the years and have really um, impacted not only me personally but, but professionally. Jared, you so say you just to recap: resilience, mentorship, and partnership. Yes. Yes, yeah, strategic partnerships. 
And I'm, I'm, it, a theme on this show has been when we ask people that question, literally everyone says something about deepening relationships with people. So that makes yes. sense that you would also build up um, mentorship. I'm curious, on the resilience piece, you touched on it a little bit, but could you kind of give at least one just tangible strategy for building resilience? Because that's something we hear a lot about, but what is something that someone could do today to do that in their lives? Um, you know, I'm going to go back and maybe this is cliche, right? But it's, it's kind of like having that gratitude journal. I call it a success journal. Um, so when I work through my executive coaching with my nonprofit leader clients, I talk to them about keeping a success journal because on those days that you feel the sky is falling and nothing's working the way, you know, in which you intended to have some resilience and to go back to look at how far you've come, what you've accomplished. And to celebrate those milestones, no matter how small they are. So that success journal or that gratitude journal, whereas I feel most of the world calls it a gratitude journal, is really just identifying, you know, you can do this and you might hit a rocky patch and a rough road, but let's just go back and let's be resilient. Let's look at our gratitude. Let's look at, you know, all of our successes and continue to focus on the end goal and realize that today will be over soon and tomorrow is a new day. It's such a valuable thing and such an important thing. And it's true for an organization as it is for you personally. You have to tell success stories, right, and let people know. Absolutely. You know, it feels crappy right now and it feels impossible, but there are people out there that have accomplished this and done it. And when we're talking about personally doing it, oh, that's right. I actually did this before too. (laughs) That's right. I know, because so often, right, our egos, back to egos, we think about why, why is this happening, which then puts you in that victim mentality. So, mm. so focusing on what has done, you know, what has been done well and how do you um, focus on getting ahead and just not staying in that victim mentality, not staying in that, you know, rocky road patch and just moving forward towards your, your common goal. I love it. Yeah. Excellent. And then, Jarrett, the other question we always ask is, if you could make one plea knowing that the entire world would hear it, what would that plea be? Oh, you're ready for this? Drum roll. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so my plea, my plea out there is to please, 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 please do not start another nonprofit without Ah, (laughs) what's already out there. (laughs) So that might sound counter, you know, I don't know, intuitive, productive, whatever you want to put there, because as a nonprofit consultant, those would be my clients. But there are 1.8 million nonprofits in the U.S., right? So let's collaborate. Let's come together and let's, let's join forces. It is a lot of work to start a nonprofit. It does not mean if you start a nonprofit, you're your own boss and you get to set your own schedule. You actually get to recruit a board anywhere from three to 20 plus individuals. And now you have that many bosses. So please, please, please don't start a nonprofit until you research what's already out there and what goes into it. I personally love that plea. Thank you, Jared. <laughs> You're welcome. And I'm I, happy I, I, to go public with that statement, right? <laughs> I, I think that that's great. And it definitely resonates with me. Um, I've been, yeah. I, I've worked in, in, in financial services for, for my career. And some of the best advice I heard years ago was stop treating your business like a toy. 
And I think so many people yes. that, 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 that get into an entrepreneurial endeavor, if it's a client building mm-hmm. financial practice, or if you're doing a passion, something or, or something in, in, in not for profit, just because you really want to do it and it seems like something that would be fun, you can't treat it that way. You need to evaluate if the need is already being served and if it would be better served right. by partnering or doing something other than just doing your own thing. So I think that makes That's a lot right. of sense. Yeah, and I always say, you know, even if it's not right here in your neighborhood, where is it being done? Like I said, when we first started the conversation, even if it's not to a T exact as you want it, if it's similar, let's consider how they're doing it and is there a way for partnership. So it could be an organization in New Zealand. Don't count that out, right? We could still consider um, an Arizona-based or whatever state-based organization collaborating with this other organization regardless of where they are so we're you know don't don't think of the boundaries think of collaboration yeah love that due diligence on that excellent well Jarrett, um how can people learn more about your organization how can they get involved with you How, how how can they work with you yeah, so already I threw out the Nonprofit Nerd on Instagram. You'll see me there, nerding out on nonprofits. Um, you can also find me online, theravengroup.com. So here's a little trick on that. Raven is my middle name, and it's spelled R-A-Y-V-A-N. It sounds like the bird, but it's totally different. So theravengroup.com. And then also Facebook, you can, you can find me under The Raven Group as well. So I would love Love to connect. I always have time for a phone call to pick my brain. Um, so I offer, you know, free 15-minute strategy calls. So feel free if there's any questions you have or you think you want to start a nonprofit and now you decide you want to collaborate, give me a call. I'd love to hear from someone. Awesome. Centauri, what yeah. else? I answered all my questions. Thank you, Jared. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Jared, very much enjoyed it. Any other last words? Oh, that's it. Just, you know, become civically engaged in your community. We love community champions that are always out there rolling up their sleeves and really, you know, advocating for what's important. So participate in what's going on in your community. True words never before spoken. Get involved, for goodness sakes. Yeah. Well, Joe, thank you again Absolutely. so much. And thank, thank you. you. As, thank you as always for listening. And remember, keep questioning because the struggle is real. On behalf of Centauri and I, thanks as always for listening. Please subscribe to the show, leave us a review, and feel free to share the show on social media. Thanks a lot.